0: this. All right. What are we diving into today? So today we are going to touch on explainability and transparency, which has been a bit of a hot topic, I think lately. And with a lot of black box models coming into the scene, especially in the medical world, you know, there has been huge discussions and it it seems to sort of be the consensus that you know we want to build more transparent models that we need transparency but now we've had some you know interesting evidence that kind of shows that maybe some you know transparency isn't always good and transparency can potentially lead to unintentional consequences
1: so if we backtrack
0: why was
1: there or is there so much buzz surrounding transparency? Is it, is the thought in the community that more transparency could lead to, you know, more trust in the technology or increase to more
0: adoption? Is that really the reasoning behind it? Well, we think about, I think there's kind of an intuitive assumption that being, you know, if you're, if it's more transparent, that's just that's better because you can I think safeguard against biases, biased models and help identify mistakes more easily. But some of those necessarily those haven't necessarily been validated. But then we also have some you know regulatory considerations as well. Mm-hmm. So we do have like if you think about the GDPR or general data protection regulation, you know, which states that all people have the right to meaningful information about the logic of the algorithmic decisions that affect them. And so in essence, this, this means that we have to have a way to explain why a decision was made, especially if that decision affects someone. And this has been you know, primarily used in you know, loan decisions, but you know, what, whether somebody does or does not qualify for a loan, they have the right to, to know why but we're also, that then also applies to medical situation. And we've, there's always that trade-off, you know, when we think about model complexity and accuracy with explainability and something being simple enough to be intuitively understandable or not.
1: Yeah. I think that's a big takeaway for our listeners and um, we'll add some resources in the show notes as well, but you'll often find Um, that they bring this up in articles, that there is this clear trade-off between the performance of a machine learning model and its ability to produce, you know, explainable predictions. So something to keep in mind for sure,
0: right? Yeah. I mean, the question is, in the medical world, when we think about high stakes decision-making, you know, the question is, can you trust a model that you have no idea why it's deciding when it's deciding you know especially you know if it's blatantly wrong you have no way to go back and do you have a way you know do or do you have a way to go back and and potentially audit that and so there's been some interesting work though to kind of break down explainability into a more accessible taxonomy and so this was some of this work was is by dr Ray Ghani at Carnegie Mellon University and his work looks at breaking taxonomy into or breaking explainability into different use cases And before um, a model explainability you have to think about it in the context of what you're trying to accomplish with that explanation And so maybe before we dive into that like let's I think backtrack a little bit and I think talk a little bit about like what is an explainability method? You know, we hear all the time about explainability models and Lime and CHAP and different options. But, you know, ultimately, an explainability method is itself a model. And it's simply trying to predict what the model itself is using to make its prediction. And therefore... It will suffer all of the same limitations that an AI, like the original model, model suffered. And so you think about like if you're building a model, you need to validate it and make sure it's accurate, and you know compare it with, you know, if your classification compare it with your gold standard labeled data to make sure it's accurate. But when we're doing explainability models, we just kind of assume that its explanation is is accurate, or we just take it at face value.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And um, I think that's a really important point um, because explanations themselves don't really have performance guarantees. Like we almost have this like inherent trust towards these explainability methods. Right. And I I don't know, is that something to do with human nature or, but I think what we're seeing in the field is that there's no, there's not yet really well-defined standards um, for measuring the performance of explain, explanations and they're not really tested at all too. Um, but maybe we're not there yet. Maybe, maybe, you know, as more research comes out or as we become more aware of this, then we can critically evaluate
0: explainability methods a bit more. I mean, I, I think that's right. And, you know, because I, I think about sort of the assumptions that we make you know, especially, so like the most common thing I see, especially in a lot of clinical prediction models is they will then display, you know, the basically feature importance. So it'll it'll be a list of which features that went into the model were the most important in influencing the outcome. And there's this assumption that, okay, well, this feature makes sense. Like, you know, one example of a study that's predicting, predicting mortality. And cardiovascular mortality and the feature that was most important is age and you think okay well that makes sense so the age, age is associated with that or that you know they predict different you know the presence of different medications or not or different labs and we assume because there may be an underlying mechanism that we know of that correlates to that outcome we assume that that model is using that feature in the way that we think it is in the way that we assume it's working, but we don't really know how that feature is sure. influencing the model at all. Yeah. And it's that huge gap, but because I think there's this tendency to just over trust or overassume that the model is just going to learn what we th- what we think it should be learning. Yeah. So what are examples of where
1: explainability might be important and can be useful and then are there instances where we don't necessarily need a model to be explainable or we're comfortable with it
0: yeah that's a great question so it's kind of this wraps back around to what i was going to mention with dr ghani's work and the use cases for explainability it breaks it down into five major ones and so it focuses on who the user is and what their goals are. That's going to drive like what method you need. So the first one is, your first use case are the people that are actually building the model. They need certain types of explainability methods to help debug and help figure out where the model went wrong and, um, and fine tune and fix it. And so that's from the engineering developer side. Then the second one would be your decision maker or policymakers. So, you know, senior leadership. And in this case, you want your explainability models or to explain like why a model works. The whole goal is to instill trust and credibility so that this model will actually be adopted or used. So if you're deciding like if you're going to to adopt this model into a health system, that you're going to use it in a hospital or use it to make policy decisions or use it to drive, you know, public health decisions that you need to. You need enough of an explanation that you feel that you can trust the model and that it's not unfair or, or, you know, or biased and to mitigate risk. And then the third use case is when you are, this is, I think, one of the more more interesting ones. Uh, This is when you're wanting to improve the overall performance of the system. And by system, this would be both the user and AI together. So The user in this instance is the end user, the person that's looking at the prediction, who's receiving the prediction in a clinical scenario. You want enough of an explanation to let them know when not to trust the AI recommendation. So just enough to know like, okay, this is an edge case. This is where the limits of the model fail. This is is where you need to use your clinical judgment and the model may be wrong. So disregard it. So if you're... And and that way you know when to listen to the model and when not to listen to the model. And so if model says that, you know, you have a model that's gonna you're trying to get people, you know, improve medication adherence, and says that you have a model that says whether the to predict whether patients are going to go pick up their meds or not. And a model says that somebody's not going to pick up their meds because they were born on a Monday. That. Is sort of a nonsensical explanation. And so you need to like rethink, okay, well, maybe I, I don't put much stock in this. And then the fourth one is when your, your goal actually is not to improve the overall performance of the system, but it's actually to assign a patient an intervention or one of my, many interventions. And so if you're trying to predict whether somebody's not going to pick up a refill or not. Like in this case, the goal is not to of the you want, want an explanation in the model so that you know why that outcome is likely to occur. So you know what intervention to use to help achieve a different outcome. And then the fifth use case is very similar to the fourth. And this is this is recourse. So this is when you in this case the user is not like a clinician making a decision, but in this case, the user is one affected by the decision, and so the goal in this situation of the explanation model would be to help understand what action that user could change to make a different, to make the decision different into something that is more favorable. And this would be the common one, you know, with loan applications. You know, what would need to change for them more, you know, more likely to be approved
1: for loan, right? Yeah, that's super interesting. And it kind of ties back to what you were talking about earlier and thinking about really the purpose or the goals and objectives of said stakeholder. And this kind of breaks it down, yes, by use case, but each use case is unique to different stakeholders too. So um, I like this framework and it really helps folks um, contextualize explainability, I think.
0: Yeah. And it also gives you, I think, a better potential benchmark of trying to understand like how, how does your explanation model perform, Mm -hmm. right? And like, are you achieving the overall, the overall goal? Yeah, definitely.
1: And it's interesting where the, I guess, is it a field of explainability where this theme of explainability has gone in the last little while? Like we can also talk about that really interesting article that we saw from that U of T researcher that cautioned creators not to t- overtrust explainability models and i think that's a good way to end this episode
0: yeah i mean it's the i mean, that's a that yeah really good one to talk about um and it goes into i think mean, you know the concept of humans and trust and sometimes our overtrust of robots and or yeah. ai and i mean mm. this has been shown in many settings and so even one interesting study looked at um this was done at at georgia tech and they they're basically looking to see like how much do humans trust robots or machines even when they obviously shouldn't even when they have evidence that 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 machine is not is not helpful and so they basically had this robot that guided people to a conference room And then they filled out a survey and they said how, you know, how helpful that robot was for a guide. And then they released smoke out the hall and simulated this fake emergency situation where then the survey participant had to evacuate. And they, they then observed and saw how many people actually followed the robot guide to, to let the to where they should go to be evacuated or like actually follow them out of building and, a few people said that they they just followed the exit sign and they they didn't even like think about the robot. But five of five people that said that the robot was a bad guide. Four of those people still followed the robot anyway and let them lead it to the exit. Even and a few of them even saw the robot break down and turn in circles and not know where it was going, and yet they still followed it. And some of them even said they would still follow it again in the future.
1: You know, what's interesting about a lot of this research in artificial intelligence is like we're learning more and more about maybe just our own human behavior Um, and what we maybe naturally or inherently put our trust into. And that's kind of what this University of Toronto researcher was talking about, too, in that article that we'll link to. Um, And her name is Marzia Gassemi. And there's a news article that talks about how making AI more explainable in healthcare settings might lead to more mistakes. And so I followed the paper trail and I found her paper in the Lancet Digital Health and it's titled, The False Hope of Current Approaches to Explainable AI in Healthcare. And there's a quote in there and she She says, we believe that the desire to engender trust through current explainability approaches represents a false hope. So that's interesting because I'm not sure if the trend is the right word, but a lot of people really looked to explainability to perhaps help with more trust, transparency, and adoption like we talked about at the beginning, but does it really? Will will explainability do it all?
0: Well, so one of the... In one of her presentations, she referenced another research article that they they basically looked to see if if people were able to catch mistakes in an AI model uh, or in an AI prediction between those that were given an explanation and those that weren't. And so this was a this was a non healthcare study, and it looked at a model uh, where it was just a model for housing like housing prediction prices, so like predicting what what house this model or what, what price this house would sell for in the market. And they gave participants like the one, one have or have the participants got a very clear model where it was, they basically said, here's the factors that go into determining yeah. the price. And if you add them all up, this is what the ultimate price should be. You know, this is how the model works. So here's your, here's your explanation. It's a very clear explanation. And then they had enough other participants where it's just a black box. So they didn't say anything. They were just say, we have a model and here is what it says the price mm-hmm. of this house should be. And, and then they put in some very like obvious mi- mistakes. So they had like one house that was, that had five bathrooms and one bedroom. And, and, and something that, you know, like wouldn't, <laughs> you know, it would be like an odd, odd house to sell. You know, it really shouldn't go for, um, a typical price. And so people that had the very, the clear model, they just accepted the model's recommendation and said, yes, that makes, yes, I agree that that's the right price that the house should sell for. But those that are given the black box more often caught the mistake and said, no, this doesn't make sense because this house is like an, an oddly designed house and how many people are going to want to buy a house that has five bathrooms and one bedroom.
1: Yeah, I remember her referencing that in the false hope paper as well, and she was just saying how, you know, being very clear about the explainability, the underlying explanation, actually increased people's
0: confidence in the algorithm's decision. Yeah, um, so because it's really you're, interesting. you're less likely. So I mean, the the thought there is, you know, if you have an explanation, then it makes you feel okay. Then if if you understand yeah. the explanation, then you feel like okay, this model. Is, is more trustworthy because it, the, the explanation makes sense to me. So that means I can trust it more. But if you're have if you given no explanation, then in a way you feel to a degree that you need to audit more. Like you, yeah. the, the idea that you need to, you shouldn't necessarily trust this explanation. And so you need to like critically assess whether this is accurate or every time and compare it with what the decision you would normally make and see if it makes sense. And it's sort of like a different kind of gut check. But yeah. I think, you know, the question is, uh, when, and I think her latest work, though, showed that I think that's the assumption is that, you know, maybe we do clutch at things more often, but in one of her, in one of the studies, it was showing that even those that say they don't trust AI models. So the idea that they're, yeah, they're more likely, I think, to be skeptical and to not just take it at any recommendation of face value even those experts were still influenced by whether a recommendation was from an ai model or not and were less likely to identify if it was wrong yeah i mean
1: all 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 of this discussion that we've been having we're not trying to um push people away from exploring explainability models. Of course, there are going to be use cases where it is very helpful. And, you know, there are more and more advances in research into the models. Um, but I guess, would you agree that we just want the audience to be aware of the current limitations of explainable AI?
0: I mean, I think this is an area that we, you know, realize we need to realize the, implications of it in, pra- in practice yeah. and we can't you know just like we try to study we, we have to study the system as a whole and we have to think about when we look at human AI collaboration yeah the only thing we're we're interested in is what is what is the outcome of that system working together what's the outcome of that partnership so what is you know it with the AI recommendation and the human interpretation of it, does that together obviously lead to a better decision and a better mm-hmm. outcome? And, and I think now we realize that maybe some of our assumptions are not correct and we need to rethink things and or we, we need more data. You know, We need more research to understand in, in some situations as having less of an explanation, but a more robust model, does that actually make the human decision better, you know, or does having an explanation make the human decision better? And it probably will depend actually, I think on what that decision is. Like, is this a a recommendation for, you know, are you trying to assign an intervention to the patient? Like, is this a recommendation on, for what a diagnosis should be? Is this a recommendation for whether someone needs early intervention. So I think it's, I think we will need to really think about what are our use cases in the medical world. And for each of those use cases, what's going to be the best Best. explanation methodology. And we haven't really touched yet on some of those, those methods, but, you know, we have think about our our post-hoc methods where look at attention models and look at, um I think you know we touched on like looking at you know feature importance and what factors were more important and salient maps for image recognition to see what areas of an image were most influential and then also counterfactual methods
1: yeah and I think we can certainly touch on those topics some more in future episodes but at least setting the stage with those frameworks that you talked about this episode is a really good way um, to think about where explainability makes the most sense. Like really thinking about the use cases and the stakeholders that are involved. Absolutely. Yeah. More to... So any resources that we should point our listeners to, I know we mentioned a couple papers throughout, so we'll link those in the show notes, but um,
0: I think there are some good review articles that we can point our listeners to as well. Absolutely. Yeah, we'll leave links to the studies that we've mentioned in the, in the show notes. And as always, please do check out AI Collective. We have a great list of resources and a roadmap that covers fundamental concepts in AI for helping getting started learning about AI. And please feel free to reach out to us on LinkedIn or at our emails at whitley at AI and christy at aicollective.co thank you all for listening until next time